Have you ever listened to the pod and thought it would be awesome if Jen stopped being nerdy about movies for 60 seconds and talked about your business instead? Well, my friends, you're in luck. Watch with Jen is looking for sponsors. Do you own or run a theater, bookstore, film fest, website, school, physical media firm, pod, streaming channel, or small business that might like to advertise on Watch With Jen? Whether you're interested in sponsoring one episode or several, please reach out. You can get a hold of me at contact at filmintuition.com. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Jen Johans at filmintuition.com and filmintuition on social media and letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. This week, it is such a pleasure to introduce a longtime Twitter acquaintance turned friend, author Dwayne Swarzynski, to listeners. Dwayne Swarzynski is the New York Times best-selling and two-time Edgar-nominated author of 10 novels, including Revolver and Canary, many of which are in development for film and TV, as well as the graphic novel Breakneck. Most recently, Dwayne released the book California Bear, and co-authored Lion and Lamb with James Patterson and co-scripted James Patterson's The Guilty, an Audible original starring John Lithgow and Bryce Dallas Howard. He lives in Southern California with his family. Dwayne, I want to thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure to finally meet you. I know we followed each other for years. You're a fellow film lover and a terrific writer and i loved uh hosting you along with patrick milligan at poison pen for california bear so thanks so much for being here on one of your many california bear stops oh thank you jen thank you so much it was awesome meeting you yeah after years of being a fan of you and your podcast it was kind of surreal like oh there you are in person in real <laughs> life uh cool it was it's always <laughs> odd i mean uh, meeting yeah. folks you know virtually, but it was great. Um, I'm sorry for bringing rain to your 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 town. I heard that I was, I was responsible for the rain, but I you know you know the rain is still here, so I don't think it's you. But uh, wow. but yeah, wow. what what's going on with the rains in LA? Because I know it was raining, then you guys had an earthquake or two. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's end time stuff. No, it was last week. We're shaping this, you know, Monday last week. The worst days were like Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. It was pretty severe. It was, I mean, for me, I'm from the East Coast, so I'm like, ah, rain, whatever. I'm used to, you know, fighting snow, but the rain's real out here. I was surprised, and certain roadways aren't built for rain, you know, and it's, I was worried about, you know, hydroplaning and other cars hydroplaning. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like the further west you get, because I'm from the Midwest too, it's like people have no idea how to drive in any other weather. So yeah. I remember like the first time I was on a highway in Phoenix when it was raining, people just like stopped essentially when it was raining pretty hard, like, oh no, what do we do? And I was oh, like, yeah. what are you guys doing? You know, I'm used to blizzards and ice and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, sure. but yeah, you know, we have a lot of flooding out here. So it is kind of uh, because of the hard ground and yeah. elevation with mountains. So you just never know. But uh, I think the rains are starting 
didn't go away here because we're kind of in the same system as LA, which is good. I know everyone listening yeah. is like, why are they talking about the weather? But uh, <laughs> but you know what? We're just we're adding a little color to your life is what we're doing. But yeah. uh, and the topic it's on topic too. It's it's SoCal, you know, it noir and neo noir, yeah. you know, detective yeah. stories. So the rain is an essential element to noir and like you know dark detective stories. So you know it's on topic. I say. Yes, it is. Yeah. SoCal Noir, for sure. And uh, we were kind of throwing around a lot of ideas for a little bit. We were thinking California hang movies. Dwayne wrote a really great piece. Is it for Crime Reads, I believe? Yes. yes. Thank you. On um, some of his favorite California hang movies, including Cisco Pike. This is an audio podcast. So again, I'm kind of ruining it for everyone. But in the <laughs> video, right behind him is a cool poster of Cisco Pike. I should take right. a screenshot here of, of Dwayne and his poster. But um, yes, so we were thinking that. We were thinking all kinds of directions we could have gone in. But mainly, we wanted to make it revolve around California Bear and the world of that. So for those listening who haven't read your book yet or haven't, you know, listened or watched the YouTube playback of our events at Poison Pen, right. tell us about California Bear. Sure. I mean, yeah, we, we finally landed our topic is like SoCal amateur detectives. Yes. And the book is kind of about that. It's about how, you know, a team of like really um, a motley crew of amateur detectives come together to catch a serial killer who has gone, you know, sort of on, he's been sort of uncaught for about, you know, 40 years almost. So that was, that's kind of fun. Um, it was inspired by really briefly, you know, a piece I read about an ex-cop who decided to free wrongfully convicted felons. And I thought, wow, how cool is that? You free someone from prison after, you know, four decades. And what's that first beer like, for instance? You know, how does that go? Um, it was also inspired by uh, Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, about, you know, yeah. the hunt for the Golden State Killer. And that blew my mind. It's like, wow, imagine living next door to like this grandpa looking guy who turns mm. out to be like, you know, some maniac who was never caught. That's yeah. got to be, you know, a shocker. So the, the basic you know, premise of the book is, you know, an ex-cop sort of pushes an ex-con into blackmailing an ex-serial killer, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and then it goes wrong from there. Um, it was inspired. It was, you know, meant to be kind of a, a funny caper kind of story. I was inspired by my, you know, real life, uh, my yeah. real life story of my daughter five years ago was diagnosed with leukemia. And I wrote part of this book in the hospital, her hospital room with her. And she, you know, I realized I was trying to escape that room, but also I was trying to deal with what was happening in that room at the same time, because there's a character, you know, very much inspired by her in the book. So anyway, long, that's a long story for a very short question, but yeah, California bear, I think. And inspire at least this, this you know, this, our topic today, which I'm really excited to get into with you and, you know, trade some notes. About yeah, I loved your book. It's a good blend of kind of comedy. There are thrills. There's so many twists. And I think the girl detective who is inspired by your daughter is such a phenomenal character. Um, you just Thank she you. completely wins your heart. You realize she's one of those kids who was born like 40 years old. That's kind of the joke in my family. My dad's like she was never a toddler. She was born 40. And so I really loved uh, the character that was inspired by your daughter, Evelyn. And um, yeah, it's just a really great book. I was a little worried going in when I heard serial killers because I am a little bit oh. of a chicken on some of that. But but you know what? You're really funny. You have, as you were pointing out, somebody on one of your tour stops was 
asking you about the number of food references you have because you do some <laughs> clever things with food, nutter butters, donuts, all kinds of stuff. We're not going to get into spoilery ter territory. Right. But uh, <laughs> there's so much to this book, and I urge everyone listening to pick it up. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's funny you you mentioned at our event that you know you were the, you're at 16 years old you were kind of the film trivia ringer they would bring you <laughs> yeah. in, which definitely strike me as an old soul who you know maybe you know the reincarnation didn't fully take the memory erasure you just remember all this cool stuff from your previous <laughs> life i don't know how that works exactly but yeah you yeah. seem like you're you know well beyond you know your years in oh. terms of wisdom <laughs> and film Thank knowledge you. yeah i know we were kind of talking about uh our backgrounds a little bit and i loved uh some of your stories as well and how you always enjoyed writing in books, but you had a background also in bars as a, at a young age. Sure. For me, it was trivia. Neither of us were really big. We weren't drinkers. We were there for other reasons. Right. Dwayne was a keyboard player in his dad's band, which I love that story. Yes. Yeah, I played basically my motivation was playing for tips and so played Donkey Kong the machine and like get all the uh, you know all the, yeah. all the cool free cokes you wanted and bags of potato chips that for a 10 year old that's awesome so uh, i would you know do that forever <laughs> that yeah cool. it's cool you have all this stuff to kind of go back on uh for your novels essentially and also um i read the wheel man which is a great book um that oh, i tracked God. down our mutual friends uh jed ayers uh, Bill Boyle, yes. Jordan Harper, Nikki Dolson, they were all raving about your back catalog. So I had a lot of fun tracking down some of the oh, wow. older books. And uh, I loved that concept. You have um, a getaway driver, this Irish guy who's mute. It's such a good idea of a story. You're always kind of taking these um, sort of the tropes that we usually get in the crime field but then doing something unexpected with them, which is what I love. Like we have a serial killer in California bear, but in a different way than you would normally expect. And it's cool. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, that is honestly a motivation. I really try to like, you know, I love the classical tropes, but I think how can I subvert them? How can I twist them around? You know, and like, believe me, the last thing I wanted to write was a serial killer novel. <laughs> it was like, there's enough of them, but I could not do this. I, once I had the idea for it, I'm like, no, I can do this different maybe, you know, and there's a big difference between this, you know, and other serial killer books. Um, I want, it's sort of spoilerish, but it's a very different version of that story, which I, you know, I, I love these. I love them. I love Zodiac. I love Mindhunter. All these, like you know, um, I'm 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 part scaredy cat too. But I grew up watching a lot of inappropriate horror movies. So you know, I mean, going back to like, Ten Till Midnight, that Charles Bronson movie, it was always fascinating. Like you know about how how you catch a killer. That was mm -hmm. I, mean, I watched that when I was probably way too young. I'm gonna say twelve. I should have watched that at twelve years old. That was a mistake. But, <laughs> I, but it got me thinking about you know about, you know, crime and killers and such at a very young age. Um, anyway, yeah, I always try to make it different because otherwise, why write the same thing that others have written? Might as well try to be weird. Yeah, I and know. I love the idea, too, of California detectives because, I mean, growing up in the 80s, 70s, around this era, yeah. we have, of course, you know, Jim Rockford and we have Columbo and all of these great larger-than-life TV detectives. And oh, yeah. it kind of continued on. But this was a cool idea to kind of look at amateurs or um, movies that maybe don't get enough love or people don't remember them as much. So the ones we arrived on, I voted for The Late Show, which I'm kind of like 
some people listening are going to be like, Jen, that guy is a professional detective, but Lily Tomlin isn't. But, so he's exactly. kind of, uh, yeah, kind of riding along, sort of like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. You know, you do have somebody who is a detective, but then you have Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Michelle Monaghan and, you know, they're all that. Good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which that's... is another movie I love very much. Um, Cutter's Way is another film we're going to be talking about, which is terrific. And also Mike's Murder, which is the one that was the newest to me. I actually watched it for the first time in January just because I stumbled on it. My friend Drew uh, graciously gives me access to his Plex server of old titles. And he's, um, you know, kind of the expert on 80s cinema. And so his 80s catalog is amazing. And I just found it in there. I love tennis. So I loved the idea of, wait a minute, there's a female detective, but she's not really a detective, but there's tennis, like sign me up. So uh, I was excited. Wow. So you came to that before our, our, our proposal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. What coincidence. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I cool. watched it again for this and it was like, this is great. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that oh. sounds cool. Yeah, that's what's an odd mix of it. It's funny. Uh, there's three movies. Two of them were utter bombs, I think, when they came out. I think The Late Show did the best of them. I think they did pretty well, I believe. But who cares about box office? We're here about talking about art, goddammit. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, The Late Show did receive an Oscar nomination for screenplay. Um, and yeah, uh, you have Art Carney, Lily Tomlin. It's produced by. Robert Altman, you know, Lionsgate Films. And uh, this is one I think I saw for the first time a few years ago during the pandemic, completely fell in love with it. I watched it at least once or twice before Jed and I did an episode on Terriers, which is another SoCal uh, detective show. And, um, you know, you were thinking of things that Probably uh, Ted Griffin and Sean Ryan and their entire writing staff probably drew upon. And uh, (laughs) I will talk about The Late Show at a drop of a hat. So I loved watching that. And so it had been a little bit. And uh, though I think I might have watched it again. I will watch it whenever TCM runs it. And I think they did earlier this year but or last year. So I love that one. Cutter's Way I saw for the first time a couple years ago. My buddy Travis Woods wrote this amazing essay on it. And I was actually wanting to reread it and didn't look look for it early enough because I'm sure Travis would have sent me uh, a copy online and I didn't find it anymore like the website has been taken down so I'm gonna have to kind of badger Travis about it see if we can find an alternative and I will link to it because you know nobody really writes an essay uh, quite like him especially on a movie like that Yeah. yeah so I'm happy to go in any order that you would like do you want to start with the late show yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. Chronological order, roughly, I guess. So, yeah. 1977, I believe. Yeah, yes. notes. Yeah, and yeah. you were talking about Robert Benton and another movie that you love that he made, Twilight, which I also watched ahead of uh, this. That I, I had seen that in the 90s. I think I saw it at the theater. I mean, the cast, I can't imagine I wouldn't have gone to the theater to see that. I do vaguely exactly. remember. Yeah. But I rewatched it and, you know, talking about twists and some of the old noir um, 
fall back the characters and stuff from yeah. vintage noir. You have like a femme fatale, you have Hollywood, the glamour, the who's telling the truth. Is he in over his head? Is he a fall guy? So that's a good one. I know that's a movie you love too. So I'll let you Oh do yeah. That. I mean, that's, that's what I mean. It's a late show. I first saw that at the new Beverly. I want to say it was um, four or five years ago. They had a double feature with, what is the one they did that sort of sequel to the Maltese Falcon with, um, George Siegel. Um, he plays like Sam Spade. It's called Sam Son of. I'm, I'm blanking on the title of this. It was the Late Show with the you know, Son of Son of Sam Spade movie, which is more of a, a broad comedy. It's not great. Late Show though was awesome. That was my first time actually seeing it. You know, a bunch of years ago. So I rewatched it. They saw it on the big screen. My gosh. Yeah, yeah. And the New Beverly, you know, they show everything on on, on actual film. It was really kind of great to kind of. It feels like you're watching a little bit of piece of history, you know, versus being streamed and piped in. Yeah. But yeah, this was. This is, I mean, speaking of tropes, this movie has so much fun with so many tropes. I mean, it opens with the old Maltese Falcon trope of like, you know, Private Eye, whose uh, former partner is dead or his partner's killed. Yeah. The difference is in this one, he's killed right in front of him, essentially. <laughs> he's sort of, you know, Ira Wells is this kind of old, crusty Private Eye living in. I love his, like, I love the set decoration, don't you? It's like just this sad little life, you know? Yeah, he's in this boarding house and, uh, you know, and he's not supposed to have a woman upstairs. Some of the old fashioned (laughs) ideas, even though this is in the 70s, he calls everyone doll, which is great. Uh, You know, uh, I love some of the dialogue in this movie, but it does open sort of the call to action of my old partner is dead, which uh, Maltese Falcon involves um, yeah. someone's partner or someone that they worked with getting killed. Uh, terriers, which I just rec- referenced and recommend, right. also opens with that the similar setup. So yeah, and then um, then we sort of get on like they've referenced this in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang about um, she was loving the sort of the Raymond Chandler-esque novels. And she was talking about how there's always one case and another case, and then they intersect (laughs) or something. And that is exactly what you have here. Lily Tomlin wants her cat back. Damn it. Somebody took her cat, Winston. And, um, you know, he has no idea what this is going to lead to. Instead of follow the money, we'll follow the cat. And it goes to a bigger and bigger case. Yes. I mean, it's the oldest, oldest like uh, non-horrible trope in the book, the search for the missing cat. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, seriously. And then again, then again, Long Goodbye, Altman's Long Goodbye was all about the, ostensibly, the, the call to action was, you know, Marlowe going out for cat, cat food and comes back and, and lands in yeah. a world of hell, you know. So that's going to be the cat is a, you know, a very neat device. But yeah, it's it's always the two very different cases that collide in a surprising way. And actually, this mystery is pretty good. I thought, I thought yeah, it was pretty, it's twisty. pretty solid. You know, it's twisty. It's fun. It's fun. Hits those notes, you know. It's funny though. It's it, it, what struck me when watching this movie is that it was kind of, it was you know filmed in the mid seventies, and they're referencing a lot of you know detective movies from what the forties roughly. Mm-hmm. That's like a thirty year gap. Watching it now and going back to the late show, that's fifty years. It, it's just so the funny that it was much more recent. Like that that was like almost it had died off. The sixties had a few private eyes like Harper, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had you know a few you know but it was hanging on. But the private eye was kind of kind of on the ropes i mean in my my opinion and then the 70s brought the private eye back in a big in a big way in a you know weird way a lot of different yeah. movies kind of tried to figure out what to do with this old you know it's like what do you do with a cowboy you know after decades of like they've fallen out of favor it's like how do you resurrect this sort of you know icon and this this movie is really interesting it's like that passing of the baton story basically you know yeah. the old crusty pi and 
his wacky, I use wacky in quotes, you know, <laughs> kind of a assistant, uh, the amateur in our story, a Lily yeah. Tomlin, who's fascinating. I mean, she just fascinates me in this movie. <laughs> you, yeah. It's, it, it's such a good idea to give him uh, a female partner, too. That's yes. unexpected because I love what you were saying about, like, the old gunfighter. Because that's something that they always did in Westerns with John Wayne's characters. They would partner him with a young man, like a boy, uh, to kind of make him more <laughs> virile as he's sort of training, uh, at, you know, a, a young guy in. There's the old joke. I was reading uh, a critical study about Rio Bravo. And they were saying in that movie, they saddle him with a drunk an old man and a young boy, Ricky Nelson, and a woman. <laughs> so they really make John Wayne look like, you know, he is the dude. Um, right. But what's cool about this is she, you know, she doesn't really want to get into this. She's, you know, she uh, is a hippie. She likes her yeah. pot. She likes her her life as it is. She is a little shady, and we find out more <laughs> about that. But then as the excitement happens, we have some car chases, dead bodies, all kinds oh, yeah. of stuff. She gets into it. And uh, I think that makes it much more fun. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Manhattan Murder Mystery growing up, seeing that movie. There's a scene where Diane Keaton is like following someone and she just gets so into it. I think she tells, uh, can't remember if it was Angelica Houston's character or what. She's like, we're going to bust this thing wide open. Like she, she's doing all the jargon, which is so good. Yeah. What's funny is, yeah, these three movies, it's uh, the amateur's motivation is very different. Each one. This one's like she's reluctant. I mean, she wants something, you know, she wants yeah, to fight her cat. cat. But halfway through, you're right. It's this amazing thing where she really gets into it. It's like, oh, my God, she's found <laughs> like this calling. It doesn't quite happen in the other two movies we're going to discuss. It, it, it's very different how that plays yeah. out. But this one, it was, that was just pure fun to see. Like, you know, she wants to do this now. And, and she's had a lot of careers, it seems like. Right. I mean, she's uh, designs fashion. Yeah. She's like. And she's agent, kind of been dabbling for all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, is this the latest thing for her? Or I was wondering, you know, as most, I almost wonder, is this going to be her calling that will last? Like, will she outlive Ira, you know, and will be Margot Sterling and, and, and partners at some point, you know, mm -hmm. and that's me. I love the, I'm a big fan of after stories. Like what happens after, after, you know, the movie, yeah. the additional movie ends, you know, uh, maybe part of California bear, not to, Shameless plug. I mean, I just, I, I, it's, me, it's like all about after your career. If you know, your career being a cop, if you got out of prison, if you're a serial killer, what happens? You know, forty years later, and you're not caught. What do you do? I love those stories. That that so this has that kind of story. Like Ira Wells, you know, what happens to a, a classic '40s PI who's well known and has solved a lot of cases? Well, you end up in a boarding house, kind of living a sad little life. You know, eating a TV dinner, watching you know a tiny screen. And uh, he he seems like he's near death. I mean, he really seems yeah, like he's unplugged. typing his memoir and just that's right. Yep. Yeah, living the past. Literally, you're right. He's doing his sort of yeah. memoir mm -hmm. until like you know uh, this again. The call to action. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm always fascinated by these after stories. You know what happens after many years pass. Um, so that this movie has that. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and not to ruin the ending, but I, I do again. The ending does put a cherry on top of this whole idea that I mean, remember the last scene is like. Our two heroes are sitting on a, a, a bus bench that's advertising a wax museum, and they're in front of a cemetery, which strikes me Ooh. as Robert Benton's commentary on the PI genre. It's like a wax museum in front of a place where they store dead things. It's like, to me, very funny, a very funny uh, send off. But interestingly, <laughs> pardon me, Benton went on to do the another um, retired PI story, basically, with Twilight, yeah. not the sparkly vampires Twilight. You know, it's the one that came. 
a few years before 1998. Um, amazing. It's one of my favorite PI movies. And it really is just underrated, I, I think. Um, but a very different take, too, on, you know, I think, you know, late show is like more the like, uh, to me, the the Chandler-esque hero, whereas yes. Twilight struck me as more of a Ross McDonald story. Mm-hmm. And Ross McDonald and his Lou Archer novels were all about, you know, long buried secrets coming back to bite you. You know, that, that yeah. that's Twilight in a nutshell. It's like things you did 20, 30 years ago are going to come back and haunt you, literally. And a PI is the one who has to figure it out and help you almost like serves as a detective as well as, well as a, a family therapist in a weird way. That's Lou Archer to me, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what, um, you know, Paul Newman is in Twilight, um, same as he wasn't, you know, it's, it's funny. He's playing like a Lou Archer character, not called Lou Archer. And he played Lou Archer, you know, it was Harper, sorry. They changed the name for the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the movie. Um, but yeah, it's essentially, I mean, that to me was so full of in-jokes about the private eye genre. You have like, you know, the Jim Rockford, you know, you have, um, you yeah, know, you have basically fun. showing up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Gene Hackman is, you know, so all these, to me, it was just great. I'm, I'm, I would love to pick Benton's brain about between those two movies, like what had changed and is thinking about the private eye genre. Yeah. And what's so great. I mean, it has the most incredible cast. Also, uh, speaking of Garner, he's living in, I actually wondered if it was Harry Bosch's apartment uh, from the TV Ooh. show. It looks a lot like that incredible apartment that uh, Titus Welliver's character lived in. That was kind of um, You're right. Very Michael Mannish, essentially. And that is where the glass, you know, the windows, yes, the wall, so it's all the glass. Yeah. And you're like waiting for him to look out like an Edward Hopper <laughs> painting, essentially, um, which it's funny because his ego gives him away a little bit. Um, but you have Margot Martindale, Reese Witherspoon, Lee Schreiber. You just oh, yeah. have the most, you know, Gene Hackman, all of these incredible people. Susan Sarandon. She's amazing. Susan amazing. Docker Channing, like just yes. so many great <laughs> yes. people, just as far as the eye can see in this movie. Yeah. And Giancarlo Esposito playing the Oh other, my gosh, the... I know. I loved his character. Right? Yeah. He's like, I'm your backup. And wait a minute, you waited until I got my ass kicked underneath the you know, the dock, <laughs> right. essentially, and then came down. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny in the late show too, we have Escobar, almost like these sort of, you know, the the Latinx, you know, kind of like not sidekick, but like these sort of, and it kind of resurfaces as Escobar and and, and that's right as um as Esposito's character in in Twilight. It's just interesting the tropes that Ben kind of repeats in those two movies in a in a weird way. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, kind of Ben, of course, is, um, for me, always first thing comes to mind is Bonnie and Clyde. You know, him yeah. writing that with his partner. Um, you know, that was like well, I mean, so I always I thought he'd have a career in crime, so to speak, but he's done all kinds of movies. I mean, he's done all kinds of wonderful movies, um, but. He picked twice to do the PI genre. I think that's pretty significant to me, at least, that he chose to, you know, take a run at it twice and in very different ways. But um, yeah, yeah, um, he did. Yeah, places in the heart, Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, all kinds right. of films for sure. Uh, the Ice Harvest, he did. Um, that's right. Yeah. Great, great movie. That know, is that a great one. Yeah, nobody's fool. Yeah. I was the weirdo. Oh, and I also loved. Um, Still, the night is a little bit. It's a little slow, but it's Hitchcockian. You know, oh, yeah. Meryl Streep, Roy Scheider. 
But uh, Nobody's Fool, again, with um, Paul Newman. I remember seeing that. I chose the movie. I was the weird kid. I think it was like 94. uh, Who's like, oh, we got to go see the new Paul Newman movie. And it just bored (laughs) all of my class. I didn't get to choose the movie for a while after that. Then it was, we're going to Legends (laughs) of the Fall next. I'm like, okay. But uh, like, let's go see Brad Pitt. Not these old people or whatever. But that's a great one, too. Yeah. Hey, points for choosing the Paul Newman movie. That's pretty awesome. I think that's kind of cool. You <laughs> some class way ahead of time. That's really great. Um, yeah, so many great movies. You're right. Oh my God. Ice Harvest. Yeah, that's not that's not a PI novel at any by any stretch, but um, but based on the brilliant Scott Phillips novel. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite, you know, holiday crime movies. I watch it, you know, almost every year. Rewatch it because it's just fun watching people unravel. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think Nikki said she loves to read the book every Christmas, essentially. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's a great one. Yes. For sure. And our next, so this one is kind of, um, the plot is really convoluted, but it's twisty. It's kind of funny. There's chases. Cutter's Way is kind of like um, a hangover of Vietnam. I sort of wrote it's like sad Coyote Lebowski. I think it was uh, <laughs> Jed called it sad Lebowski, essentially. And sure enough, Joel and Ethan Cohen have admitted that the big Lebowski, while being you know very Chandler-esque, is also uh, taken from uh, Cutter and Bone or Cutter's Way, um, yeah. essentially. I mean, you have Jeff Bridges, but I think in this one, for me, it's all about John Hurd, who is incredible oh, yeah. in this performance. Um, it's really good. It's, uh, you know, it'll, it stays with you. It has one of the bleakest, most nihilistic endings. I Ooh. think you're you're never going to forget the ending of this movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I said, I first saw it a few years ago. I think in my review of it for Letterboxd, I said it's kind of like the cinematic equivalent of what Peter Fonda's character was saying with We Blew It in Easy Rider, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's like yeah. what happened to the promise of the 60s and the 70s after Vietnam in this era. And um, yeah, so talk to me about, I have not read the book. I would love to know oh. more, yeah, about it. Oh, well, the book's amazing. I actually, right here, a little prop. Can't see it in the right. listeners, but Butter and Bone. It's out of print, but it's I, I whenever I see a copy in the wall, I buy it to give to friends. So I, I also <laughs> I have, you know, always looking for it. It's a great book. And it's, it's a rare, rare instance, honestly, where the book is very different from the movie. Not very different. It's different okay. in a very big way. But I, I like I love both equally. Like the movie is its own thing, and I just adore this movie. I when I first encountered it though was in college. I took a um, a course in Vietnam War film, and this is one of them. Like almost like the after effects. It's not it's not a war movie by any stretch, but it's you know the after effects of a war movie. And I remember being like just bummed out completely. It's a it's a very dark Ooh, movie, yeah. as you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sad Lebowski is a way to say it, but it is. I mean, it's funny, but in a very you know boy. Yeah. I remember staggering out of this thing, you know, into like the, the bright campus, like, what did I just watch, you know? And the book's <laughs> even bleaker. I mean, the book's really bleak. But, you know, the awful thing that happens, I want to say, you know, in the third act, it's worse in the book because it doesn't mm. happen to one person. It happens to an, another innocent person. Uh, I want to spoil things for the book, but boy, is it okay. dark. Um, so, wow. <laughs> warning, a little warning for people like uh, go into this thing is the, the book is brilliant. Yeah. Um, the writer is Newton Thornburg, who I'm always, I'm, I've been sort of beating the drum for Newton Thornburg recently. Um, he had a really interesting career, um, full of great promise. And it kind of, he had a, the seventies were his time, you know, I think, I think Cutter's way was kind of this, if anyone knows him for anything, it's that and Cutter and Bone. But mm-hmm. the previous book was a book called To Die in California, 
about it's one of the most powerful books I've read about, you know, grief about, you know, basically a farmer who goes out to figure out who killed his boy out in, in California. And it sounds like it's death wish and it kind of it's death wish E, but not like in a I'm going to kill all those bastards kind of way. It's more yeah. of a it just it breaks your heart as he tries to understand, you know, who could kill a young innocent person you know yeah. or, or is he innocent that's the whole question you know you don't really know your kids until you start investigating their lives and boy it was a great book so this to me is like he had a great one-two punch in the 70s newton thornburg um we lost him like god he, i would say a long time ago 10 years ago or more uh, i wish he was better known uh, and i you know but i think he's on kindle you can find uh kindle okay. versions of most of his books anyway so yeah cutter's way I, you know, and I, I, I watched it in college and thought, wow, bummer, man. I <laughs> kind of picked up again maybe 10 years ago and started rewatching it just based on I, I a love of California movies and movies yeah. set here. And the Santa Barbara they present here fascinates me. It, you know, I always thought of, you know, as a kid, Santa Barbara sounded like this big, glitzy, sunny place. And it's a weird ass town. <laughs> it really is. It's not, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of weird um, history there. And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting place for two, a Vietnam vet and a, gigolo to wash up and try to make mm-hmm. their way you know um uh, jeff bridges plays richard bone um mm-hmm. he's uh basically you know gigolo not the richard yeah. Gere type he, no. he tries to you know sell boats but also you know make a little money on the side from bored housewives um john hurd who is i agree with you brilliant in this movie yeah plays i mean i can't imagine him being you know um mr McAllister from home alone he's just worlds away from that role uh, he plays yeah. Alex Cutter. He was a very psychologically and physically damaged Vietnam War vet, but his brain's like you know hardwired for chaos. You know mm-hmm. and that's and the, the tri- it's a triangle. You know, we also have uh, Maureen Mo Cutter, who's married to Alex Cutter, mm-hmm. but also there's something weird going on with Richard Bone as well. These guys have known yeah. each other for a long time, right? In the sense that there's a lot of weird history here. Yeah, they all drink way a too strange much. codependent love triangle thing happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's almost as if like you don't never graduate from that friend set you have in college, right? Yep. You all kind of hang and you all know each other's dysfunctions and it's all bizarre and weird and you're stuck in that forever. Yeah. That's kind of cutter's cutter's way. You know? Yeah, that old thing of like, well, he's an asshole, but he's my asshole, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're like brothers. They hate. I mean, they not hate each other, but they're like just annoyed by each other, and they just keep kneeling each other, and it's yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, they know how to push each other's buttons. It's super uncomfortable. Like, there's a scene early on in a bar where like he's going oh. to kind of bail out the John Hurd, like get out of here, and John Hurd is just um, riling up bar patrons using uh, yeah. racial epitaphs yes. and like. Um, you know, Jeff Bridges is trying to kind of put a gloss over everything. And yeah, it's it's a really like you just see that he is someone who's going to be his own worst enemy. Um, you hope yeah. he's going to get over it. Kind of like you, we all have that friend where you're like, man, if they just get it together, you know, and oh, yeah. but then you think Jeff Bridges character doesn't have it together either. The opening of the movie, he's uh, in a hotel with a woman and it kind of reminded me of like the opening of Body Heat with William Hurt. Uh, sleeping with yeah. somebody sort of like these himbos who are kind of trading on their looks and they're sleazy it's sweaty and um, right. you know they they maybe aren't known for having brains essentially and so when it right. um when they must rely on um like he sees 
a car behind him and a body is dumped. Uh, when he suddenly has to uh, put things together, it's like he's using parts of his brain he didn't even know about. But yeah, John heard this era was Chili Scenes of Winter. So I think yes, there were some yeah. personal demons with John Hurd, unfortunately, that kind of got in his yeah. way. And I'm not sure, you know, other opportunities too, of course. He also made a movie in the early 90s I really loved um, called Deceived with Goldie Hawn. It oh. was Goldie Hawn in a thriller, like Hitchcock mode. Um, okay. I wrote an essay for Jed's site on that one. Uh, mm. So it's him playing kind of a, a scary role, like right after he did uh, Kevin McAllister's dad. So yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, John Hurt has an interesting uh, career, but it's good I think if you only know Home Alone to see something like this, yeah, 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 yeah. And he, again, his character fascinates me. It is the parallels to Lebowski are huge. I mean, yeah, like you know, like like John Goodman's character. Yeah, he's a Vietnam vet. John Goodman though is more the jolly, you know, conspiracy theory, you know, funny, you know, everything's out to get me. But Alex John Cutter's Williams, the really dark yeah. conspiracy theory guy. <laughs> like yeah. he's, he's messed up. And yes. There's no cute Pomeranian. This, you know, there's there's no bowling league. It's like he's just. No. On a, there's man. no Donnie. <laughs> there is yeah. a Donnie though. The guy, the, the boat, the, their Donnie, I, I argue, is the oh, boat salesman, yeah. right? I guess you the can one, say that. He's part yeah. of the crew, but not part of the crew. He's the straight laced, you know, guy. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, kinda, it has a Donnie, right? Yeah, I think he's a Donnie kind of. Yeah. What's missing is the Mo. Like, we don't have the Mo character, you know. I don't think. Yeah. Although, I guess Maud, maybe, yeah. Kinda. But, oh, yeah. but I mean, but Richard, Richard, Jeff Bridges character too. Richard Bones, fascinating. He really is to me, a proto Lebowski. He's like, you know, Lebowski's younger years. He's a little more, more low. She's a little more, you know, he, he, and I, I actually, I'm going to read the first line of cutter and bone. Cause it's all sure. about, I, I love this. My, my favorite opening lines of a novel. It's very short. So don't, don't worry. Um, oh, you're fine. <laughs> here it is. It was not the first time Richard bone had shaved with lady Remington. Nor did he expect it to be his last. I just think it's like just says it all. It's like <laughs> he's, he's such somewhere. a good character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just all right away. It's like, okay, why is he shading with a, a chick razor? You know, it's like, what's going on, yeah. this dude? I actually I nodded to that in California Bear, but there's a there's a Lady Remington reference just because I had to nod to cutter and bone. I'm not sure why. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's yeah, great. It, it, it's, These things you his character fascinates me. Yeah. 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 And he's also, I, mean, I guess it's in terms of our lens of amateur detectives, you know, I think he's the amateur. He's helping out. Like he's the, he's the witness. He sees mm -hmm. this, he thinks he sees a body being dumped and he thinks he sees who dumped it. And it just so happens to be one of the most powerful people in Santa Barbara. That's not a great thing. Yeah. His partner though, you know, Alex Cutter, he's a conspiracy guy. He sees the vast, you know, this, every wrong in the world is thanks mm -hmm. to this, this kind of guy. J.J. Cord, this rich guy, he's to blame for all of our ills. And worse than that, he's dumping 17-year-old cheerleaders in the trash behind bars in Santa Barbara. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, pretty potent mix of, uh, that. that's their call to action, right? Yeah. Alex Cutter. Once <laughs> yep. the, you know, not so much, I think, bring the justice, but get revenge almost, like extort them, extort mm -hmm. them, you know, that, that, that to me is kind of fascinating. So the amateur impulse here is very different from Lily Tomlin. Yes. Lily Tomlin's character, Margo, wanted her cat back. Um, these guys, Alex Cutter wants to, like, I don't know, uh, get revenge on the world for how lousy it That's is. That's what I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
Yeah, yeah. I think um, you talked about that opening of the book, but there are so many things in this movie that watching it like a second time or a third time you're going to pick up on. I think um, yeah. one of the sequences that I love so much is like he's he's a drunk and he's, you know, driven home and he's in this fight with his car and the neighbors and he's screaming his head off at, at them yeah. and like almost coming to blows. And then the police come. And he knows exactly which buttons <laughs> to push, sort of the, because uh, he's someone who's like one eye and he, he's disabled in a, a few different ways and he knows how to use it and bring up That's Vietnam. Right. And, and it just shows you like he is the brains of the operation, but he's also just so mad at the world and he doesn't know where yeah. to put all of this rage, essentially. He and really so. Does not you know this idea of they killed a young girl and he doesn't know the girl he doesn't need to it's just like one of those the man essentially and yeah. he decides yeah. he's going to go after him yeah i mean you, you said that it, it echoes again of lebowski is like they're going to kill that poor woman they're going to yes. kill that it's almost like that echo of like they got away with killing that poor girl it's it's like this you know drum beat of uh something yeah, yeah. That can't get, that's really <laughs> something interesting. they're using yeah yeah, yeah, but that's what it's, it's a downer, and it's funny that the big, the big difference between the movie and the book is it misses the last like third of the novel, like it oh, stops, really? like the novel, not to ruin anything, it, it involves a road trip out to this like rich guy's compound in Arkansas, so it, it leaves California. Wow. Yeah, I know it's it's great, it's very different, um, mm -hmm. and it's more actually more action y, you know. the Cutter's Way is not an action movie by any mm -mm. stretch, right? There's no heroics, really, there's some pain but not really heroics um the book's a little more of a yeah, more actiony i guess um still brilliant again okay. i recommend both the people i wouldn't say you know one is better than the other I think yeah kind of wonderful. but a downer yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> oh i spent one last thing i love about the movie too is the score by jack uh, jack nietzsche oh my yeah. gosh yes tremendous yeah. mm -hmm. I, I write to it often it's like melancholy it's weird it's haunting you know, we know Jack Nietzsche, I guess, from you know, other soundtracks, but, you know, the sort of 60s surf, kind of surf pop he did for a while. And he mm -hmm. also is a troubled individual. He was a troubled individual. Won't get into him. But I, I remember the soundtrack was finally released after many years on, like, CD, like, five years oh, ago. Wow. I was like, I was one of the first, you know, in line to just, it's just, it's great. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. And if you love the movie, you'll love this soundtrack. So... Sounds good. And then Mike's Murder, like I said, I was pretty new to this, but I'd love to know your background. Do you remember seeing it when you were a kid or uh, um, no, discovering actually, it later? I discovered it thanks to there was a it's a great website um called Mr. Peel's Sardine uh, Liqueur. Ah, Peter Avellino. Peter, Peter Avellino. Yeah, yeah, good I friend mean, of mine. Yep. Yes. I I assumed you knew I, I see him at the New Beverly every so often, but before I moved to LA. I was just a huge fan of his blog. I mean, his, uh, his takes on films person, are like, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I love his take on it. He walks you through it. It's part personal, part professional, part everything. It's always yeah. very full of heart and full of just great insight. So I first read about Mike's murder. He, I mean, he wrote about it 10 years ago and I finally tracked down a copy at some point and watched it and like, Oh, it's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is a, it's a slow burn. It's very odd. And I didn't realize why it was so odd until, well, we, I, before I get into why it's odd, we should probably explain what it is, right? Um, we have, you know, a bank teller uh, played by uh, Deborah Winger. Betty Parrish is her name. Yes. And she has a kind of a one-night stamp, this studly, you know, hot tennis instructor guy, right? Yeah. And then, you know, and he, she, they sort of see each other every so often over the course of two years. It's kind of odd. 
And yeah. then as the title. Yeah, it's not really right? too concrete on, like, I wasn't yeah. sure, were they dating? Did they just, is, was he just her tennis pro and they just slept together? But, uh, you know, the right. old, I'm going to call you and he doesn't, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like the kind of date who ghosts you, but she can't let go of him. She's always happy no. to see him, it seems, yeah. you know, and keeps tabs on him. His name is Mike, Mike Chahutsky. And this isn't a spoiler because it's the title, but Mike gets murdered you know, yes. <laughs> at a certain point. And she's, to me, um, to me, Betty Parrish, Deborah Winger's character, is the most fascinating of the amateur detectives tonight. This is in this episode because she just like cares. Yep. I mean, her motivation is not solving a crime. She's not no. math of the world. There's no missing cat. Uh, Mike didn't know her money. There's nothing involved except Mm-mm. she wants to figure out what this guy meant to her and you know, what this is. Yeah. You know, who was he? Mm-hmm. And you watch her like she does like, go through the detective kind of steps, the tropes, like the drive through LA. She interviews suspects, but in her own way, it's all she's so like, unassuming. It's yeah. kind of beautiful. It's almost the opposite of any every detective you've ever seen. Like just how like she just right shows she up. She rolls into it. It's almost like accidental just because she wants to know it's her friend. Yeah. 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 And I think um, it's something a lot of us can relate to. Um, I'm sure everybody has lost somebody like, um, you know, one of my college best friends um, passed away and, you know, there was no foul play or anything. But you want to know, like, how, why, who, who was around, what was going on. And so I think for her. It was also, she didn't have any closure. I guess now they use the word like you're in a situationship instead of a relationship or something. And so, yeah, it was like somewhere between they were not really dating. It was maybe more than a one night stand, but like it was very casual. But he was also just a friend and someone she valued in her life. And um, yeah. yeah, and I think also in 84, what's interesting is what we learn about Mike as the film goes on and then yeah. thinking about what, um, you know, society was like back then. So that's uh, pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I'll it's let you... It's a great time take... capsule. Yeah, like, it I is. Mean, I mean, really? I wasn't here at the time, but I mean, early 80s LA, it's just like, wow, they really nail like the west side of LA. You feel yeah. like you're, you know, the streets pretty well and the... And she's like this sort of, you know, straight-laced character. Again, yeah. it's kind of pulling the, the underbelly. You know, it is all this, it's about drug dealers. It's about, you know, just more mm-hmm. the seedy side of L.A. And she's just working in Brentwood, you know, uh, at the, t- at, the at a bank, <laughs> doing her thing, yeah. playing tennis. You know? It's a side of the world she didn't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing that fascinates me. And I read this. I, I didn't realize this until recently that originally James Bridges, the director, wanted to, and the first edit was in reverse order. Reverse cross That's order. That's what I read. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been interesting. I wish we could watch it like that. I would die to watch that. And I, I watched, you know, watching it again with that in mind, I thought, wow, if you replay things, I don't want to spoil anything, but like the movie actually has a happy ending if you play it in reverse. Because <laughs> yeah, it starts it's very sad. bittersweet. Yeah. Right. You can kind of see that. Uh huh. I mean, I would just be fascinated by like this the impulse of like what the through line he takes. Because I mean, if you follow it through, it's like it's a very intense ending. And then mm-hmm. a coda, if you start with the coda and then the intense ending is your opening sequence, like, wow, where do you go from there? It feels like it's sort of, I mean, this is about many years before Memento, you know, Christopher Nolan's Memento. It would have been amazing. I I, I do pray this cut exists somewhere. I'm sure yeah, it doesn't. But I do love that, too, because I think just like she was trying to figure out her relationship and what Mike meant to her. It would be yeah. interesting for us watching the movie 
to see that too because it starts out and she learns something about these people and how did they know mike and then if you're just watching you're like well who is mike what is going on and i think right, right. then it would get um the the surprises that we learn about his life and stuff would be maybe more impactful and it also might just um again i don't want to get into too many spoilers but um yeah. yeah i think it would have been pretty groundbreaking for 84 yeah it would have and it makes you think like the, the way it is now it's still to me it's it's a great movie oh yeah, as yeah. It is. it's interesting but it, it, it takes you know, it takes you through like you know the traditional you may meet somebody you meet someone at first you know yeah all you see is the the, the side they project to you they see the, you know, the yes. positivity you know you mm -hmm. see all that stuff and gradually the longer you know somebody the more you see the the weird stuff that's hidden away or the quirks of the, you know, the oddities, yeah. the, the, the flaws, we all have them. Oh, the yeah. The dysfunctions, the trauma, it all comes out. And imagine starting with like you knew all the trauma and it gets erased slowly, slowly, slowly. And all you ended up with is like that beautiful first meeting, you know, whatever yep. it is. That to me is a really fascinating view of of relationships, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah, kind of because as time goes by, you're gonna remember that stuff more. I think when you're yeah. in it, um, you know, the dark stuff, the fighting. Sometimes people become friends after they break up. Like you can't imagine being friends then, but then years later, you remember right. what this person meant to you or the good beginning. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that to me is. Of, of the three movies, I mean, I guess, um, what's your, I don't pick favorites, but what was the other three? What's the one that speaks to you the, the most right now? Um, for different reasons, I have to mm. go with The Late Show, but I think mm. maybe like quality of film, you're probably going to say uh, Cutter and Bone or Cutter's Away for sure. Well, yeah. how about you? I, I assume like I, I cut his way for always be kind of the, the favorite because I just think there's so much going on there. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I, I love, you know, Ivan Pastor is a you know, brilliant director. It's, um, but yeah, Mike's murder. I, I can't, uh, every time I saw that, I can't quite stop thinking about it either. It, it's, it kind of lingers with you, you know, and yeah. it's just so unusual. It's very unusual. You know, I guess it's more of an EO noir than a classic PI story by sure. Yeah, but, it doesn't really, I know. loved what you were saying. It isn't a traditional uh, detective movie. No. Yet, it follows those beats in a weird yeah. kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and like the, the criminals are pretty realistic. Like the guy, Pete yeah. is Mike's friend. He is, you know, there's kind of brilliant in that he's not a mustache twirling bad guy. Yeah, he's yeah. just a really damaged dude who like is finding himself in a horrible situation and takes it out on innocent people, which mm -hmm. I do love when they, you know, movies portray criminals as the, the, you know, how they really are probably broken, sad people who are mm -hmm. just trying to, figure stuff out like the rest of us um yeah so, yeah they know. are bond they villains. yeah yes exactly. <laughs> and the late show was cool to me it's, again it was like the late show felt more old-fashioned than I, yes. I thought it would be when i first saw it right in a yeah. good way yep. you know it's interesting uh and it came out that's about that it came out only a few years after chinatown which really i thought was the ultimate statement on you know the classic yeah. pi but mm -hmm. set period but um yeah the 70s were a fascinating time to like try to reinvent the pi and that is a pretty cool example of uh, them doing it. So Yeah, I think that was a really good um, grouping because we started 77 and Mike's Murder was 84, I think. 84, but shot 82. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, that um, didn't do well. The studio, I think it was accused, the studio kind of really just wasn't behind it. Um, I saw this at New Beverly as well a couple of years. It was last year, maybe. I saw it with a, another, it was a James Bridges fe festival. And I saw Mike's Murder. Followed by Perfect, 
which John Travolta. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Is that the one? Yes. Yes. The weirdest double I've ever seen. It's the same same director, but it's like, what what am I watching? This is amazing. Um, And it's also LA. It's also fish out of water kind of thing. You know, it's similar stories kind of, but not really. Um, What a weird double. He was the urban cowboy director, right? Yes. Okay. I haven't seen that one since the 90s. Oh, the paper chase was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it's really cool that they bad, but not to, you know, you know, overpraise them. I should overpraise them because they're awesome. Uh, but it's like they do these mini festivals. Like, and I, you know, I've learned a lot about certain directors by just going a few days in a row and kind of checking out, oh, it's time for James Bridges to get, you know, some attention. So that's always educational to me. Yeah. And Absolutely. And I know there were probably several other movies that you could have, um, we could have worked in here, but I didn't want to keep you forever. Are there any you (laughs) want to recommend? Maybe some California hang movies or stuff that if you've read California Bear, you like this world, what would you recommend people check out? Oh, geez. Well, of course, you mentioned Cisco Pike behind me. That to me is very underrated. You know, Chris Christofferson is is a pot dealer. Who's was busted by Gene Hackman? Gene Hackman comes into a lot of pot and forces <laughs> Christofferson to sell it for him. So I love Gene Hackman. He's my patron saint. Uh, I'll watch Gene Hackman in anything pretty much. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of underrated, you know, um, great. Also a time capsule of LA and like the in 72 in this case. I mean, that's what I, I guess I mean by the hang movie, where you you go, you're watching it, not so much the plot, the plot's cool and it's happening and happening. But it's more hanging with the characters, you know, and kind yep. of seeing what they're all about and and their environment. I'm a big fan of place and time in stories. So that that, that was a, a big motivation, you know. And, and it's funny, too, like Cutter's Way was a big inspiration for the bear in my novel because it's about these two, you know, weirdos who try to blackmail this powerful individual. That, you know, yeah. not bringing some of the justice. That, that was very much a – that's a wrinkle, right? Usually a, a detective yep. has that code of honor, that Chandler-esque code of honor. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for anything, you know, that 70s, 80s, especially, you know, that kind of shows you L.A. and it shows people trying to figure it out. Oh, the other one that comes to mind is um, the Richard Dreyfuss movie um, His The Big Fix. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Based on the Roger Simon, you know, um, novel. He, It's funny. I, I can think of it. Moses Wine, Dreyfuss' character, could easily team up. With uh, with Margot, uh, was it Sperling or is it Sperling her name? Um, Sterling. I mean, imagine those two like hippie cop, hippie PIs. Oh yeah, for sure. Late seventies. That could era. be a They're sequel. Both... Yeah. <laughs> what would you call it? The Big Fix on the Late Show. I don't know what you call it, but it's like yeah. those two characters. The Big, the big show. Fix is a great one. Yeah. That's 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 a lot of fun too. So yeah, I mean, um, I can go on and on, but those are the few that kind of come to mind. Perfect. Well, Dwayne, I want to thank you so much. What can we expect from you from the future? Anything you want to tease out that you're working on? Are you working on a new novel? A new I am. One? Yeah, I, I write um, novels with uh, this up and coming unknown writer named James Patterson. He's going to break through okay. someday, I think. You know. Yeah. You know. I mean, we're hoping it. for big things for that kid. Yeah. I, I think. I think you know, Jim has it in him. To, I'm kidding. He's you know one of the most prolific <laughs> and best-selling novelists. But we're yeah, working on a new book together. We had a book last year, actually, it was a PI novel we can't, called Lion and Lamb, came out last August. A very different kind of, uh, it's not Cutter's Way. It's it's, not, it's it's more, you know, I think it's more hopefully funny and uh, set in my hometown. So that was a lot of, that was, you know, but it's very different. It was, you know, two competing PIs. So that was a, a wrinkle. Um, so I'm working on a new book for him, but also a new uh, book of my own, a new novel um, that I won't talk about because I 
don't want to jinx myself i to talk okay, about it yeah yeah it i happen, i but... hear you i'm a superstitious writer as well <laughs> yes but i one other thing I, I wrote last year a graphic novel i do work i do comics for storm king which is um sandy king carpenter's uh, her husband's john carpenter the director oh, yeah yeah sandy king carpenter does you know kind of horror comics and they have a new line called dark and twisted and i did a kind of a, a weird a sort of historical murder mystery for them set at a hotel about eight blocks from where I live currently. So that oh, was really cool. fun. Setting a story in a creepy place. It's a haunted hotel. I get my, I get my hair cut there. <laughs> and then my barber tells me ghost stories in this haunted hotel. So nice. I, I, I decided, of course, to set a murder mystery there because I went, why not? And it's being worked on now. I'm not sure it'll be out this year, but it's close to it, hopefully. Okay. Um, art's still underway. That so, sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I want to thank you so much for doing this. It was a real pleasure to talk about some of these movies with you and just always to check in. Yeah. Yeah. See, thank you so much, Jen. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate you have it. to come up with another idea and come on back for sure. I will. Okay. <laughs> you got it. What a pleasure. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.